This is Rising Up with Sonali, and I'm your host, Sonali Kolhatkar. You can watch this program on Free Speech TV and listen to it on community and independent radio stations nationwide. A legal victory in New Mexico, disqualifying a county commissioner from running for office because of his participation in the January 6, 2021 attack, may have repercussions for Donald Trump. Under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, a federal judge ruled that Otero County Commissioner Coy Griffin, who is the founder of the group Cowboys for Trump, is no longer allowed to run for office. Could this ruling bar Trump from running for president in 2024? Joining me to help answer that question is Ron Fine, legal director of Free Speech for People and a constitutional lawyer. He's the co-author with John Bonifaz and Ben Clements of The Constitution Demands It, the case for the impeachment of Donald Trump. We've had him frequently on our program. Welcome to the welcome back to the show, Ron. It's a pleasure to be back. Thank you. So let's first talk about the Griffin ruling. Um, who brought this lawsuit and what exactly does the ruling signify? The case in New Mexico was brought by a group of New Mexico voters who were represented by a, a nonprofit called uh, Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington, or CREW. And, and our organization, Free Speech for People, works with CREW often. And what this ruling uh, established was that, first of all, January 6th was an insurrection within the meaning of the 14th Amendment to the Constitution, which bars anyone who took an oath to support the Constitution and then engaged in insurrection from ever holding public office again. And so the, the judge found in that case that January 6th was an insurrection and Mr. Griffin had engaged in insurrection and therefore he is barred from holding public office. So that, that sounds like two things were actually established. Are you saying that previous rulings did not establish in legal terms that January 6th was an insurrection? In many courts, uh, many judges, and, and even the Trump Department of Justice had said that January 6th was an insurrection. But this is the first case in the context of Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, which is the, the provision under which Trump would be disqualified from office, that clearly said that January 6th counted as an insurrection for that purpose. It's, it's not a serious question in dispute by serious people, but you occasionally hear fringe views saying it was legitimate political discourse or, or just a riot. And so that's why it's, it's a valuable case. It's valuable precedent. It's, uh, it built on a case that we at Free Speech for People brought against Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, and it helps establish further precedent that would help in a disqualification case against Donald Trump. Why is it based on Griffin's physical participation in the riot? Coey Griffin is the founder of um, Cowboys for Trump, and he happens to hold elected office. And there were others who held lesser offices. There were law enforcement uh, folks, you know, basically people who were fans of Trump, but who in some various ways held some sort of legal position. So let's talk specifically about this case and then how it could actually apply to Trump. Because I, as I understand it, Griffin was among the rioters, but Trump wasn't. That's right. So Griffin was actually present, you know, rioting, attacking 
uh, at the, the building itself in the Capitol. And that does make him a little different from someone like Donald Trump or, or a Marjorie Taylor Greene or, or somebody else who had a different role in the insurrection. But what's important to note is that the legal standard under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, established in this case against Griffin and also in the case against Marjorie Taylor Greene, says that engaging in insurrection does not require that you have been a foot soldier. Because if you think about it, this provision, which goes back to the days after the Civil War, was intended to disqualify the Confederate leaders from retaking power. So for example, Jefferson Davis, the president of the Confederacy, never fired a shot. He wasn't you know, at the front lines with a musket. So that's why uh, it's important that this court, at, like the judge in the Marjorie Taylor Greene case, emphasize that the term engage has a very broad application, and it certainly could include Donald Trump, whose role in the insurrection was in inciting and organizing it and, uh, and kicking it off. And that is a really important part of it. You could make a case very easily and the special uh, house committee is trying to do so that if someone like Griffin is guilty, then Trump is far more guilty since he's the one who directed people like Griffin to uh, the Capitol. Although of course, then others could and defenders of the president I'm sure will make the case that um, he was simply speaking, it's all protected under free speech and everybody who participated acted of their own accord. Um, so I imagine that you are uh, and your organization is making is is relying on the former case, which is that because he actually directed folks to the Capitol, that makes him even more guilty and even less uh, qualified for holding office. That's right. And I want to say two things on that. One is the history is is helpful here to know that the people who wrote the 14th Amendment were much more concerned about someone like Jefferson Davis or Robert E. Lee, the people who gave the commands, than about a, a foot soldier in the Confederate Army. And that's basically the role that Cui Griffin has here. He was much more of a foot soldier. He wasn't the Jefferson Davis or, or Robert E. Lee uh, type of figure. The second thing is, in the Marjorie Taylor Greene case, although in the end the judge uh, did not rule to remove her in the ballot, he did say that speech could definitely constitute engaging in insurrection, including giving marching orders or instructions to disrupt a particular government proceeding. And that's exactly what Donald Trump did. Uh, all of this comes at the same time that not only is Trump under investigation by the House uh, Committee, Special Committee to investigate the January 6th riots, um, but also he is in great focus around the potential crime of having absconded with official documentation from the White House, the FBI raid that recently took place, um, attempting to recover some of those documents, and now this big legal um, back and forth with the Justice Department. Uh, you're seeing Trump have one small minor victory, which is that he won the right to have a special master review the documents that the FBI seized. And this is directly the result of Trump pretty severely remaking the American judiciary, right? And so it's kind of bizarre how polarized our court systems have become. I imagine that the judge who allowed the special master who was appointed by Trump is going to be far more pro-Trump than, say, the judge in New Mexico who ruled against Cui Griffin. So that, you know, Trump seems to have 
affected our legal system already enough to where I'm not sure that it can protect us from Trump. What do you think? Well, it's, it's a serious concern, but we, we have to hope that the rule of law will prevail in the end. And in the case of the judge whom Trump appointed shortly before he lost the election and who, if I recall correctly, was confirmed by the Senate after he'd already lost the, the 2020 election, that judge made a mistake by appointing a, or agreeing to appoint a special master. The Department of Justice has offered her sort of a, an off-ramp to avoid further embarrassment on appeal um, by uh, giving her the chance to stay the order with respect to classified documents so that the Department of Justice and the FBI can continue to deal with, for example, uh, nuclear security documents uh, and, and not have to sit around and wait for a, a special master to review them. Uh, but in the end, uh, I think that the, the Department of Justice will prevail in this matter, and Trump can't get away with everything forever. Well, he seems to certainly be able to uh, do so. He has a knack for getting out of uh, all sorts of scrapes. I mean, that's been his special talent for decades, even before he ran for president and became president. Um, if he is actually, say, prosecuted in this particular case around the uh, documents, around having taken uh, documents with him illegally to Mar-a-Lago, would that also have an impact via the 14th Amendment on his eligibility to run for office? Well, you know, there are statutes that you can find in the U.S. Code that say that if you violate this particular criminal statute, you're not eligible to hold office under the United States. I don't think as a constitutional matter, um, those statutes by themselves would uh, block him uh, from holding the presidency because it's a, you know, a constitutional office. But you know, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment isn't a criminal provision. It doesn't require that anyone have been convicted of any crime at all. And in fact, in the years of Reconstruction after the Civil War, most of the people that it excluded from office had never been charged with a crime, let alone uh, convicted of one. And so Trump's criminal exposure is, is quite significant, both in the, the Mar-a-Lago case and a separate case in Georgia, and of course in New York. Uh, it is technically possible to run for office from prison. Uh, Eugene Debs ran for president uh, about a century ago while he was in federal prison and he got uh, over 3% of the vote. But section three of the 14th Amendment is a separate provision that's not intended as a punishment. It's intended to protect the country from someone like Trump who would betray an oath to support the Constitution and, and support an insurrection that ravaged the United States Capitol and almost completely disrupted the peaceful transfer of power. Ron, what do you make of the fact that there are far too many um, pundits in the media who weigh the issue of whether or not Trump should be prosecuted uh, by examining whether it would serve a practical purpose, whether it would end up polarizing the country more. You know, they might even admit, yes, Trump deserves to be prosecuted. But what would happen if we did? Wouldn't we end up making things worse or wouldn't we simply stand accused of partisanship, et cetera, et cetera? What do you make of this sort of punditry? 
Well, they're not completely crazy. I mean, certainly it is true that there hasn't been a criminal prosecution of a former president, and it would uh, it would be uh, unprecedented, and it would certainly upset some of his most hardcore supporters. But the larger point, though, is that granting him a pass, granting him immunity for all criminal violations, including in the case of these documents, violations that occurred after he left office and is now a private citizen, would send the message that not only a president, but even a former president is immune from prosecution. It stands above the law and, and, and nothing that they do can ever hold them to account. And that's not what our system is founded upon. Donald Trump at this point is a private citizen like you or me. Any low level government employee who did anything remotely like this would already be in prison. I mean, it's just incredible. I think he thinks he has what he understands as executive privilege for life, right? I mean, this is what's really bizarre. And he even invoked that during his presidency in cases when it didn't apply at all. Um, and, and, you know, unfortunately, this is somebody who thinks that he can create laws to defend himself or, or just kind of will them into being when they don't exist, but also has a very large contingent, far too large, maybe still a minority in the country, but a significant contingent of people who believe whatever reality Donald Trump creates for them. And that includes people who are, you know, members of the and officials with the GOP. So it seems as though the Confederate, uh, the laws that were intended to bar Confederate era generals from running are quite appropriate in this case, especially because there are still people who fly the Confederate flag and support Donald Trump. I mean, there are some very strong links to the past, right? It's it's extremely distressing that uh, Trump has been able to develop uh, this sense of loyalty among some of his most hardcore supporters that will see him through anything. But the idea of Section 3 of the 14th Amendment at the time was that uh, the, the men, and it was essentially all men who had sworn the oath to support the Constitution, then betrayed that oath by engaging in treason, could not be trusted with public office again. And the idea was to basically cleanse the Republic and protect it from future depredations by these people. Unfortunately, Reconstruction was cut short, far too short, and most of uh, the white supremacists who'd, who'd led the Confederacy were granted amnesty just a few years after the Civil War and, and were able to retake power. But as we look now at the, the Trump movement, uh, Trump himself and, and those of his acolytes who uh, helped engage in these abuses of power, uh, the idea that they would return to office unchastened, unpunished, and, and, and this time knowing that they can get away with anything should frighten everyone. Ron, where can people find out more about free speech for people and um, where, you know, and, and this effort around using the 14th Amendment? Thanks. You can find us at freespeechforpeople.org. And what we call the 14.3 campaign is designed to uh, not only in the courts, but also in dealing with secretaries of state and other elections officials who have the power to determine who appears on their ballots. And take a look at freespeechforpeople.org and see how you can get involved. And I should have asked also, what are the next steps toward that, toward barring um, Trump? from being able to run again under the 14th Amendment, will there need to be a separate lawsuit around it? 
Well, we've already contacted the chief elections officials of all 50 states and the District of Columbia to warn them that this is coming and to tell them that they had better be prepared and to help them be prepared. We've even prepared for them a sample language uh, that if Trump declares that he's running again in 2024, they can use to determine that he is disqualified from office and, and can't appear on the ballot. Uh, in addition to that, uh, which is being supported by grassroots activists all, all around the country. Uh, if he does declare, we at Free Speech for People are prepared and have committed to filing legal challenges to his candidacy in multiple states. Thank you so much, Ron, for joining us. Always appreciate having you on. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. My guest is Ron Fine, who is the legal director of Free Speech for People and a constitutional lawyer. And he's the co-author with John Bonifaz and Ben Clements of The Constitution Demands at the Case for the Impeachment of Donald Trump. I'm Sonali Kolhatkar. You can access this and other interviews on our website, risingupwithsonali.com, by becoming a subscriber. Find our audio podcast on iTunes and Spotify. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at RU with Sonali.